Hey guys, Matt here. What can I say? Here is our episode for new leads that is very, very late. You know, I've been going through a lot of stuff. You've been paying attention lately on the podcast, I guess. I've been trying to look for a house and, and do some other things and just kind of, I don't know, the podcast is kind of suffering as a consequence. So I do apologize for that. I realize that this is, you know, not exactly timely and it sort of saved me uh, the last few weeks since we've had so many reruns of the show that, uh, you know, it's been the thing that gets shoved to the side. But uh, hopefully we will still be able to finish out the rest of the season as it goes. They might be a little bit delayed every week, but, uh, you know, we're trying our best to get this caught up. So thank you for your patience. And now on to the show. Oh, have I got your attention now? Good. Because we're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Anybody want to see second prize? Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. You get the picture? You've got leads. Mitch and Murray paid good money. Get their names to sell them. You can't close the leads you're given. You can't close shit. You are shit. Hit the bricks, pal, and beat it, because you are going out. The leads are weak. The leads are weak. Fucking leads are weak. You are weak. Because only one thing counts in this life. Get them to sign on the line which is dotted. A, B, C. A, always, B, B, C, closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. That's what she said, episode 91, New Leads. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... That's what she said! (laughs) Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy Roll around town like a hero I got you on my mind Just like all the time Pedal down, nowhere to go And welcome to episode 91 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your human resources coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the 20th episode of season 6, entitled New Leads, which originally aired Thursday, March 18th, 2010. Pastries are for closers. Civil war erupts when Sabre's new commission-oriented sales system motivates the entire sales staff, yes, even Stanley, to new heights of dickishness. Will the accountants and customer service take up arms against their uppity brethren? Shall Michael Scott follow the lead of our first president, Abraham Lincoln, to help bridge the divide? Well, only if Lincoln was down with forced paperwork, a scavenger hunt, and a little choking between colleagues. I'm still enjoying this. To close things off, an unusual setting is the locale for our two heartfelt scenes that'll leave your eyes watering. I'm just not sure if it's the emotion or the foul stench causing my oh-so-manly tears. (sighs) Lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why did you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. 
says here. What's the scuttlebutt? All right, and we are back two weeks in a row, Kevin. I think it's a new record. Joining me at the water cooler again this week, of course, as I just mentioned, our dear friend, our traveling salesman uh, on that big white tote board in the conference room, leading the sales of Inc., Kevin Crossman. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, you know, this place has gone to hell. <laughs> I guess I'll have to stick around because you'll just screw it up. Well, Kevin, you know, you did hitch your uh, wagon to a no-legged horse. So what can I say? What can I say? And before we get started, you know, uh, I just got to say I was not a huge fan of this episode, Kevin. Okay. Screw you. You know, it's not easy getting excited about stuff. Yeah, uh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Michael. <laughs> You're right, let's back it up just a little bit here. Um, well, new leads. Of course, we speculated, or at least I speculated on the blog post, and I played that clip at the beginning here. Uh, anytime you say leads and sales, I think, of course, of the famous David Mamet play, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. We had a little listen to Alec Baldwin's famous monologue speech there. Um, I was wondering if Brent Forrester was going to use that as a basis for the episode, kind of play it off, uh, use it maybe as, you know, Michael had seen it or something and he wanted to be the big office manager or something like that. But alas, no, uh, maybe it's for the best. I'm not sure mm-hmm. uh, that he did stay very far away from that. Um, however, I think that did though lead to kind of one of the fundamental flaws of the plot for me is the fact that Michael does have the leads, and the man that has the leads, Kevin, has the power, right? Uh, unfortunately, Michael didn't seem to realize that and uh, and only used it in very stupid ways, such as uh, scavenger hunts and, uh, and other wacky little things there at the end. So, um... Couple of, I mean, we'll get into some of the good things about this, but i got to say right off the top, after these last two weeks, um, the delivery and St. Patrick's Day, I felt this was really a bit of a letdown for me. Uh, not one of my favorites so far this season. So what did you think about it? You're an idiot. <laughs> so, yes, he can pull out the quotes, too. So let me tell you why you are wrong about your premise with Michael and the leads. So I'm going to stay up front. This was not a perfect episode. We'll talk about the ending in particular. But I would say that it was really a nice change of pace that instead of having Michael go crazy, all episodes screaming and yelling and doing all these things, that that we got a little bit of this civil war we talked about in the in the show intro, you know, the, the sales against the other part of the office. And Michael actually did a very sage-worthy thing by spreading the leads out to other people in the office, Creed and and, and uh, Kevin and everybody else, so that the salespeople and the regular office staff could come together and reach a symbiosis there, uh, a nice equal footing there at the end of the episode. And I think we, we saw another new side of the sales team, Stanley and Phyllis in particular, and I have to tell you, I love the whole scavenger hunt clue thing. I thought that was really interesting. I, I really like that idea more now, than a retread, retread of the Glengarry Glen Ross. You know what they say, Kevin? Now that's Italian. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, love, I love that. <laughs> okay. I love that. I'll, well, let me let me address some of the things you're talking about. All right, yeah, I I, I agree that uh, a lot of this did work pretty well. I guess. 
I I was put off uh, initially by just the overall assholishness of the sales staff, and you know especially. Uh, you know, Dwight, okay, we're used to him being that way. Uh, Andy, sure. we've always been told that Andy was like the second worst salesman after Pam. So he's suddenly like super Mr. Uh, on the board, uh, successful salesman guy here. He's all going crazy. Everyone's going mm-hmm. crazy. And I guess it's understandable because, all right, no caps, whatever, no limits. Somehow this is different than the old Dunder Mifflin system. And, uh, and, and so they're just totally money motivated. So I guess it was kind of an interesting twist to see these characters be a little more harsh or a little meaner, I suppose. Um, so it, it, it kind of threw off the balance of the show. And maybe that's good to have that happen every once in a while, to shake things up. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, and I agree that while Michael didn't use his power as he probably should have, um, you know, uh, <laughs> think of the things he could have done maybe to get these guys... <laughs> To uh, to suck up to him enough to give him the sales leads, but alas, I guess he's not quite that smart. Um, yeah, it was okay. I guess it. I just I don't know. I don't. I'm not very articulate. I guess with my overall sort of feeling of meh with this episode, it um, just it, it didn't do too much for me. I gotta say, and there was some funny lines. Um, you know. <laughs> I'm not sure what I think about this after like four or five weeks. We get uh, Flenderson's big scene about his baba ganoush and his falafels. Uh, I mean, so that was kind of a nice little finally return to uh, to Toby. And Kevin, kind of what I thought uh, was going to happen is, is starting to happen. I, I didn't Dave. mind Daryl uh-huh. in this episode particularly because I think that he was sort of the devil voice that got Michael thinking and, and down the path that he uh-huh. needed to take. But um, I don't need to see him every episode. This is going to be, I think I'm going to really start to get annoyed by Daryl. Uh, if they use him in short, small doses like they do here, I don't know that it makes a big difference whether he's in the office or down in the warehouse. Uh, I guess I could have lived without the scene of him and Andy crawling all over each other, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was fine in this episode. I mean, we we got some interesting little differences here, some answers to some questions we've been asking about. We had the phone call to Gabe, sounded very much like David Wallace. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael calling him, so, okay, we know what that dynamic is going to start to Why look like Why do you like keep now. saying that? <laughs> yeah, and uh, so, I, I don't know, some of that is really old, and some of it still never gets old. I, I can't decide. But, um, you know, I I think that this was a good, solid episode, I wouldn't definitely not call it the worst one that I've seen all season, but I, I agree it's not, uh, you know, didn't quite transcend either. And do we want to talk about the heartfelt scene at the end with Dwight and Michael? So there was there's two things going on. First of all, they go out to the dump to try to find the leads that were out in the garbage can. Very ridiculous, even for the office. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got this horrible, horrible green screen effect <laughs> oh, going on here. Extremely distracting. Yeah. And then the whole conversation where they hate each other, they're fighting, and then they, you know, realize that maybe um, they should be friends or whatever. 
uh, you know, so if maybe we can try to separate the green screen as much as we can. A little part of I, me I, died inside, Kevin, when I saw that green screen. <laughs> would, would would that have seen have worked just from a dialogue standpoint, maybe in another location, like, uh, you know, down in the parking lot with a couple of different garbage bins or something like that? Uh, you mean if they were just, like, in a very messy sort of couple of dumpsters, some garbage yeah. bags sort of thing? Oh sure, I think that could have worked just fine. It maybe would have been a little bo- uh, a little bit more believable as well. Now this is the thing, and maybe this is one of those differences. I don't know between uh, watching the show in HD versus standard definition. <laughs> um, you know, on my 52 inch screen, that looked just horrible. And you're right, it did distract from the scene. Um, as we were in the chat room, the funny thing was there was uh, one one person in there that uh, that was really giving me the business about that because I was complaining about how bad it looked and this person is like, you know, I watch the show for the jokes, not for the scenery. <laughs> and so, I mean, point taken, I guess, point taken. However, it did look really, really bad to me. And I'm not sure why they did it. I mean, was it worth uh, that? I mean, they, they. I guess they got what they wanted, this very big expansive sort of, you know, giant dump that stretched off into eternity um and i and i guess they you know maybe they couldn't get the insurance or something to get rain wilson and (laughs) and uh steve carell to a real dump somewhere (laughs) yeah but you know how hard would it have been for them to have maybe one or two effect shots given the expanse and then having them do their business in front of a big pile of, of garbage that you know they could have done with props or something so that you wouldn't have had that continual you know, distraction in the background. I don't know. Well, I think that there were some funny jokes there. You know, you're talking about my wife. Yeah, that, that was, was kind of good. And you know, but uh, overall, it, to me, it took what was a very office-centric episode and really kind of took it away. I think if they'd done something down the parking lot, I would have grounded everything much, much, much better. But all right, I'll give you alas. that point. I and I agree that I think maybe we are harping a little too much on that. Um, you know, we're people that are, you know, we're, we're pretty technical, I guess, with a lot of the stuff that we're aware of, so maybe it bothers us more than uh, than the average office viewer. Uh, so. Well, I, I'm okay with the fake snow and the, you know, pretend... But that you looks know, good. That's that not hint, green screen. The, the, hint, the hints of, you know, these, these uh, different businesses that are in Scranton and all that for effect, and so, you know, I'm down with you know, a suspension of disbelief when it comes to the fact that I can tell it's Southern California uh, with all the eucalyptus trees and everything else. But, yeah, the dump thing, that's another matter. <laughs> well, all right, well, let's put that to bed. I, um, you know, I, I I did enjoy some of that stuff, like you said, that stuff there about their uh, them kind of mending their relationship. And, and that was one of the things, you know, I've talked about this many times, about the totally um, schizophrenic Dwight, how sometimes he's a suck-up, other times he's just totally ridiculous and insulting to Michael. And this is one of those mm-hmm. second-case episodes where just from the get-go, just very, very negative to him, you know, just constantly talking to him, give me my thing, you know, this and that, and then they sort of meld back to (laughs) the first type of Dwight there at the end of the episode. So, I I don't know, I mean, that was kind of a nice scene to have them come driving up with their beanbag chair, (laughs) and, you know, just be like, woo, you're right, you're not sitting on this, it's for us. 
That kind of thing. Okay, you know, I kind of like that scene. I did like that line he said about that. That's my wife you're talking about. <laughs> that was a great line. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the physical humor, and that's again maybe why this episode was a little bit on the lower scale. And for me, like you said, this stuff with Andy crawling all over uh, Daryl, and then this scene in the dump where they're just basically throwing empty cardboard boxes at each other and flipping and flopping and sliding over. And, uh, the, the, the sink was the sink was pretty funny though. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. The, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I have to say, I really enjoyed the physical humor of Andy's uh, hotter, colder scene. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that because there. I guess we could have said there was maybe a little Andy Aaron plot in this, right. although it was it was very integrated into the main A plot, so there really wasn't yeah. a lot of room for individual development. But yeah, that scene. <laughs> His just Ed Helms and his acting and, and just the look on his face when he thinks he's gonna get you know like, who are you sure <laughs> you know he's so flustered and flummoxed and that that was a pretty good scene. Yep. I mean, yeah, did she hide them in her bra? You know, it's like, <laughs> it sure seemed like it. Well, no, so she kept saying lower and lower, so he thought it was even better than that. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you know, maybe so. Uh, what about the ending now? We got last week the whole thing about how he wants his uh, How I Met Your Mother uh, first kiss story here. Um, did you right. finally get what you wanted at the end of the episode, Kevin? Well, I guess to me the dump setting worked a little better as it relates to that you know that is a memorable first kiss that you kissed in a dump but you know again same setting same distractions um the the acting between them was you know cute and nice and at the end it was short so it didn't belabor so it was okay it was but it but it, i wouldn't say it's not the kind of payoff I would had been hoping for about eight episodes ago, but by now I've sort of given up hope against it being this sort of like awesome moment, so it just was okay. Well, now we get to have three or four episodes of them trying to hide their affair from everyone else in the office, so you can look forward to that. Oh, that's right. <laughs> look yep. forward to more of those Jim and Pam kind of shenanigans, I guess, where they're going back and forth. Uh, hopefully it will be just as short as the PB&J sneaking around was. I think that lasted, what, 30 minutes, 20 minutes? <laughs> right. Something half, like that. Half, of a, so, half of an hour-long episode. Yeah, so hopefully we'll keep that uh, in the same sort of ballpark. Um, so, you know, all told, I guess we said, I for me, yeah, very middle of the road, I guess. You liked it a little bit more than I did. And there are some good scenes in there. Uh, however, uh, a, little, a few too many kind of sort of slightly silly scenes. Uh, what did you think about that outcome of the sales plot, the fact that the bumbling boobs in the office um, were were won over by some snacks? Uh, to me, it was very reminiscent. I don't know if you've ever seen this episode, Kevin, but uh, you know, in Seinfeld, Kramer uh, puts the coffee down his pants to sneak into the, mil- the movie, and he gets burned, and so he sues the company, and, uh, and they give him a settlement. And the first thing they say is, well, we're going to give you a coffee for life. And then he says, I'll take it. Sold. Yeah, right. I'll take <laughs> it. Uh, very, very similar to the kind of a plot uh-huh. thing here. Uh, I mean, were you satisfied with the way that that played out? The fact that it was Oscar who basically was the idiot that bumbled him into this? Sure. No, I think it was really good. I really liked that plot line. I liked how Jim kind of... St- it up a little bit to kind of lead these guys to try to do the right thing. I, I liked how they were willing to give, but at the same point when the other people weren't willing to uh, take, 
they weren't offering it. Uh, that was a nice little bit there with Stanley. And, of course, anytime you see Stanley smile, it's always kind of nice. So it's very believable that that Kevin and even Oscar would view this as a, you know, an olive branch, so to speak. And one would hope that, you know, Stanley and Phyllis in particular would tone it down a little bit in the office when it comes to the rest of the staff. So we'll see. Well, I, I believe that Kevin would be happy about pastries. Um, I, I guess maybe my sticking point is just the fact that Oscar seemed to be the one that uh, sort of sold it for them. Uh, although, on the other hand, I will say that as much as I didn't like to see that outcome, um, I, I think it's believable. I do think it's totally believable, Kevin, because I know in our uh, in the school where I work, everyone is just so grumbling and upset and bothered and just, you know, right when it looks like that we you know, we're going to explode with rage. Uh, our administrators, uh, you know, they pay a, a couple hundred bucks and, and bring in a catered lunch one day a year. <laughs> and and once everyone gets that fried chicken, they are just, you know, everything is forgiven. So I, I, I understand. I totally guess I can buy into this, even though I'm not happy at the way that it played out. But, uh, all right, let's go ahead and move on then to talk about the credits. Now, this episode was both written and directed by the same individual, Brent Forrester. Now, he's been a consulting producer on the show for 65 episodes. He's written eight episodes, Kevin, and this maybe is why um, I feel very middle of the road with this, because he's written some that I really liked and some that I really didn't like, and so let's go down the list here. Um, Most recently, probably the least favorite episode by many people last year, Mafia. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blood Drive. I wasn't a big fan of that one. Uh, however, we both did enjoy Business Trip, I believe. Yep. And I enjoyed Did I Stutter, especially for the Michael kind of finding his balls uh, and confronting Stanley at the end there. So, again, a, a Stanley-centered episode for our friend Brent Forrester. Now, this is only the second episode he's directed, however, the first being casual friday and uh yet another episode with meredith getting naked so again i'm not (laughs) sure what the theme is here mr forrester wants to see kate flannery's junk i don't know but well uh, who doesn't really (laughs) exactly right down to it it's coming off anyway (laughs) all right so let's go ahead and get into the michael plot line then as we said you know only really one plot here and uh you know what's going on well basically the salesmen are getting Way too large of heads. Ah, pet day. If you don't have a pet, when please don't feel like... When are we getting to sales topics? Yeah, well, what about those leads? Did you hear anything from corporate? Ah, yes, the leads. The leads that Saber has spent $50,000 to get from a market research company are not here yet. Oh, but will be... Oh, damn it. No, 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 no. No, meeting's not over. But is there anything relevant to the sales staff here? No sales topic per se. Well, then no Andy Bernard per se. I agree. Dwight? Sorry, Michael, I got calls to make. I would like your undivided attention, please. You couldn't handle my undivided attention. Over the last few weeks, things have been changing here. Sabre says it is our duty to support the sales team, and the salesmen are letting it go to their heads. I think it's kind of screwed up. Because the way this place used to work was make friends first, make sales second, make love third, in no particular order. Uh, Michael in his good old days. You know, this is the thing, I guess, that's weird to me, Kevin. It's really, 
how different is it from the last six years? I mean, what's what is aside from maybe removing the commission cap? What is different that's making these guys act so much crazier? Didn't they used the to have to sell? That, Didn't they used to get commission? Yeah, but I think it was probably one of those things where maybe they, with a little bit of effort, they could get to their cap so that there wasn't a need to work hard, whereas now there is no cap, so if they keep working harder, they double, triple their money, whatever. I mean, uh, what was it? Uh, Dwight said he could get a $100,000 commission. That's That's some real money out in Scranton. And by the way, Matt, when is my $100,000 commission for That's What She Said coming? Well, you know what, Kevin? You just, uh, <laughs> I got a stack of paperwork here for you. <laughs> and I'm going to look forward to shredding it as soon as you give it back to me. I, I like the scene there. Uh, we had a little tote board. You know, it was kind of surprising that uh, Phyllis was number one in sales if you looked at the tote, tote board. Now, was that in all three categories or just the one? I don't, category? I couldn't tell, but, you know, the fact that she was up there, I think, said a lot. But. It would have been nice if we could have gotten a little bit of, like, how was Jim treating these guys? Because we never really saw how he was acting towards, you know, Kevin and, and Creed and everybody else. We got right. a specific view for everybody. I did, like, the Andy line, per se. Um, <laughs> good scene to set that up. Well, we did get, I think, that um, maybe to, you know, economize the scene. We did see Jim uh, kind of acting like a dick to Michael trying to get him to well, sign his paycheck and, you know, texting well, at the same time and everything else. So, but that's but that's different because it's Michael and it's not the other people in the office who, you know, he had to apologize to. Well, I guess you're right. And that is that is true, but still I think that was the purpose of that scene mm-hmm. uh, to show us that Jim isn't above it all. And I guess that's kind of the thing that was sort of weird is that, yeah, he was sort of portrayed as the peacemaker guy. Uh, right. You know, that's one of the things is in the deleted scenes, I think Stanley yells at it, like, why do you always have to be the guy that sees both sides of the argument? <laughs> or whatever he says to him there. So, yeah, it's his personality flaw. Yeah, and again, I, you know, I don't think that Jim really went out of his way too much to, to make things equal. Um, but uh, but still, he sort of did waffle back and forth. And, uh, <laughs> you know, as we'll find out, uses his child for uh, for cheap sympathy. So... I don't know what to think about this guy. Is Jim still our hero in the office, Kevin? Absolutely. Still uh, my hero. All right, well. <laughs> you always did have a crush on the old Halpert. <laughs> Dwight, you know, he's cock of the walk, man. He always was number one, and I'm assuming that he must be again number one, and he is not letting anyone slow him down. In fact, as Dwight tells us, he's even bigger than the Beatles. Salesman is king. As the best salesman, I am king of kings. Oh, you say Jesus is king of kings? Well, what does that say to you about how I think of myself? Honey and jelly sandwich time. Mike. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Look at that. That's... I know who did that. You saw who did this and you didn't stop him? Didn't have to see. It was sales. I can feel it. They are out of control. The sales department smashed my sandwich. Yes, all of them, together. It's a conspiracy. Listen to me, Mike. You got to do something about them. You don't got it. You need to get back on top. That's what she said. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you know, I'm going to take it all back. Uh, that that was a good scene right there, and, and the, the tandem, that's what she said. 
that that was worth it. Daryl knows how to push those buttons and get Michael fired up. Now, you know, the, the thing is, again, and I wasn't really a big fan of the deleted scenes. I think there were a lot of wasted space. But uh-huh. I, I think that you had to see that deleted scene where everyone kind of craps on Daryl to really understand why he yeah. is there to get Michael against sales. Um, they want him... You know, there's something where Michael says, you know, oh, it's going to be maybe bad weather next week, so you got to call your customers, and they all think Daryl should do it. Daryl thinks they all right. should do it, uh, and it goes back and forth. And so that explains why he's there to be the little devil's mm-hmm. advocate. Um, I like that scene, and that was that that was enough the way that was played out. So okay, um, walking that fine line to me, I guess for Daryl, I think maybe part of this is that we went like 18 episodes with like no Daryl. Almost, and now we're getting Daryl every episode, so it's it's taken a little uh, to get used to. And speaking of Daryl, Kevin, did you notice what he had hanging on the wall of his cubicle? I did not. Uh, he had like a little, I don't know, a sign or an embroidery or some kind of thing oh. that said, uh, <laughs> nobody talks, everybody walks. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. some kind of anti-snitching, like gangster thing he has hanging up in his uh, in his cubicle, so... Very lovely, Daryl of the Hood. He, he's new to corporate America. He's got to learn the right kind of motivational <laughs> phrases. You got you you're, you're being a little tough on the guy. I mean, he was out for how many weeks with the broken leg? Come on. <laughs> he was uh, yeah. He was stuck in the 1980s, Kevin, uh, in, in that hot tub time machine. So he's back right. and ready for action. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and speaking of action, like we said here, uh, this is sort of then what pushes. Michael over the edge, uh, the way that he's treated by the sales staff, especially your favorite lady, Phyllis, once mm-hmm. those magical leads come in. Ah, just the stupid leads. All right. Oh, about yeah. that. Me lucky. Yeah, finally, Michael. Hand them over, numbnuts. But seriously, I mean, it's your job to give us those leads. All right. Then I guess I should give them out. Hold on. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking that I have something that you want. Mm-hmm. You guys are acting like you own this place, and you don't. Not even Saber owns this place. It's a rental. I'm kind of sick of the attitude around here. I'm sick of the cocky walk. I am sick of you throwing your paycheck in my face. I am sick of your uppity attitude, Jim. <laughs> I think I am not going to give these to you. Yeah. What? Yeah. We need those leads, Michael. That's our job, Michael. Michael! So it was a nice moment there. Everyone else is clapping and happy and cheering him. And so that, you know, gives Michael, as he says, they're all complicit in in his decision. They're, everyone's happy that he's kind of sticking it to the sales team. Um, <laughs> that, you know, again, there was some funny stuff in there. So why don't you talk about that line? Oh, the uppity line was just hilarious. With, he looks at at uh, Stanley, and then he realizes he can't say that, so he's going to yeah. look at Jim again. So, ah, <laughs> uh, yes, good old Michael realizes just one second too late that uh, <laughs> has has some connotations there with that word uh, with the black man. So, no, talking about Jim, that is for sure. Uh, so, you know, he's off to uh, strategize and to set up his defenses and get these suckers to show him the proper respect 
So, of course, Jim being the much more level-headed guy, or else the guy that feels like he can manipulate Michael the best, comes mm-hmm. in and, uh, you know, tries to use logic uh, to get those leads. And you notice how he cuts everyone else out of, uh, of that? He doesn't really care about everyone else's leads. He just wants his share of the lead. So not as pure as we might think. Jim looking out for number one, I guess we can say, as he says to Michael, you know, with that uh, that damn baby. He's got all the justification he needs. Uh, unfortunately, Jim's logic is not quite infallible. Hey, hey. So I'm going to go ahead and save you some time and tell you that no one's going to go along with this. But you knew that, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So why don't you just give me my share of the leads? And I'll start making them calls. Okay. <laughs> hey, all right. All right. Ah, these are leads. What are they? Oh, right. Those are clues. And within each clue is a lesson. You learn a lesson, and then you find a lead. The leads are scattered all over the industrial park. I'm trying to make your kids respect you because a father needs to respect his boss, and kids don't respect the father who doesn't respect the boss. Do you understand that line of logic? I don't even think you understand. I do understand it. This one's a map. Or is it? <laughs> so, Mr. Cryptic there, his clues, of course, are not quite as, uh, you know, indecipherable, I guess, as Michael had hoped they were. Now, Kevin, is that, uh, do you find that to be true? Do, do your kids uh, expect you to respect your boss? Uh, I think they do, but I don't. I don't. Mike, Michael might be overselling that a little bit for effect. But I have to say, I love the scene. I love the way that Steve Carell or Michael, whoever you give credit to, really just sort of set Jim up there, and he was all happy that he had gotten what he needed without hardly any effort. And then, you know, the way he he rolls out the oh, these aren't the leads. I thought that that just was a, just an outstanding scene. And right, I, 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 guess, I, I love this, this scavenger hunt premise, especially the scene coming up with Pam. Yeah, I agree that it was kind of funny. And it, it was interesting because, again, like you said, it, it sort of ends off with Jim feeling superior. But then he has to turn around, and then he has to keep the lid on because if he explodes at right. Michael, <laughs> then guess what? He doesn't get the leads. So he's got to still try to be Mr. Nice, and then that's why we have him putting up with all of his nonsense, and I like that line there. I don't think you even understand it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I understand it. Uh, so there we go. Like you said, <laughs> he's uh, he's off on a merry goose chase. Um, I, you know, I don't know. The, what is this? The third episode in a row now where we haven't had uh, any Pam. I guess it's the second full episode we haven't had any right. physical Pam. Just uh, audio stuff here so uh we got to get our minute quota of jenna fisher in the episode so here she is uh jim calls pam to let him know just how ridiculous things have gotten in the office hey baby what's up i am currently reading incoherent riddles on blue index cards to find vital information that michael has hidden all over the office how are you uh, nothing but vomit and diapers over here. Oh, my God. I couldn't envy you more. Having a baby is as exhausting as they say it is. Having two babies, that's just unfair. How about this one? 
When arrogant salesmen are mean to my face, a certain manager will go to his moppy place. He means his mopey place? It's under that street lamp that he thinks was in Casablanca. I love you. Today, I turned an office crisis into a teachable moment. A lesser manager would have screwed this day up royally. I can imagine some yokel sitting behind his desk saying, oh yeah, take a lead, learn nothing. Some people shouldn't be in this business. Irony! <laughs> that was a little too on the head. I mean, I don't know. That, that line was a little corny to me. The fact that Michael says that, obviously we're like, oh, Michael, you're the one that shouldn't be in the business. Uh, I don't know. I, I think part of the problem here with this, Kevin, is that in the past, when we've been on Jim's side uh, or on one of the other salesmen's side, we would feel, I think, really justified in that because Michael would be doing something very egregious. And I don't think mm-hmm. we have that same motivation here. I think that we we sort of sympathize with Michael and the other people in the office maybe a little too much for us to fully support the salesman and, and even our dear Jim. I don't know. What do you think about that? I think I'm a little conflicted because I see your point. I see I'm a little bit on Michael's side, but I'm also, at least for me personally, a little bit on Jim's side because I don't think he's done anything wrong. So, but he, I mean, I think the the point was is that he he at least took the ridiculous task and put his head down and tried to solve the clues to get the leads. He didn't <laughs> whine and cry and and uh, choke anyone. He didn't, he didn't he didn't get back at Michael. He just got, he did his business. He sort of put his head down and said, "Well, I guess this is the way it's going to have to be." Because I think he understands where Michael's head is at as it relates to Phyllis and some of the other sales staff who has gotten an arrogant head, which is why later in the episode he decides they need to you know, reduce the tension in the office. Uh, well, okay, yeah, let's put it that way. Jim, as Stanley says, Jim sees both sides, so he understands Michael and everyone else's frustration. Fair enough, um, although I, you know, I, he could have been a little nicer, I guess. He might have avoided all these crazy situations, but... Well, I, I don't know if I agree with that, but... <laughs> a lot. But, and I, I do want to comment quickly on the Jenna Fisher thing. I, I'm glad that they're doing the phone thing instead of trying to shoehorn some sort of video conference on the laptop or some ridiculous thing so you can actually see Jenna Fisher's face and see the baby in the background or some stupid thing like that. I think this is much more realistic, and in this case, there's still opportunities, even though Pam is at home, to... Uh, make reference to her with a tote board, uh, two sales or whatever it was, <laughs> or the text message later, or in this case, to get a little phone call. Yeah, and uh, I guess it's a nice callback. We always see that, you know, the fact that Pam knows Michael best of anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nice nice moment there where she provides the inside scoop on where to find one of the sales leads. I don't know. I think that I think being in an office and being in an environment where you have a computer, I don't think it would be that ridiculous to have a webcam or something uh, and, and be chatting over IM to see your wife and your newborn child. But again, I guess maybe you're right. Now, is this being done for any specific reason as far as Jenna Fisher's scheduling goes, or is this purely just plot-driven? I think it's just plot driven. I don't think she was filming anything during the time when these episodes were being filmed. Well, that sure seems like a waste of a good actress, Kevin, for two solid episodes. Although, I suppose, gotta take care of that newborn. Darn those kids, they're a little demanding, I hear, but uh, what do I know? Well, 
So after calling Pam, Jim is out and around and looking for clues. And we referenced this before. We see a couple of Michael's hiding spots. Uh, you know, now that's Italian. It's stuffed in a big giant can of beefaroni or something. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow we see Jim scooping through it and, and pulling out an old nasty soiled up sales lead. Um, and then, of course, we see Jim in the parking lot looking underneath a car right when Dwight comes back. And here's the thing that, again, Dwight being a huge dick to Michael at the beginning, um, mm-hmm. you know, oh, Michael, you remember we were in the meeting and I was talking about those leads? Well, I just wanted to say, yeah, when are we getting those leads? <laughs> just <laughs> right. tell me, call any of my six phones, blah, 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 you know, Dwight out, this and that. It's very arrogant. Uh, so Dwight comes storming back in, ready to make fun of Jim and his scavenger hunt ways. Alas, he will soon get his choking ire up. What are you doing, idiot? Michael's stupid scavenger hunt. Scavenger hunt? Here, I can solve it. Give it. The treasure you seek is in the parking lot under the first president? Lincoln. The prankster is getting pranked. Ha ha. It involves you too. The leads are in? Michael, you were supposed to tell me when the leads came in. Well, Big Shot, if you want to find your leads, go to the man who never breathes. <laughs> Kevin. Damn it. Kevin! Give me those leads. Where are they? Come on. You huh? are never going to find them. Really? I'm going to enjoy this. Give me the leads. Where are the leads? Give me the leads! I'm still enjoying it. Where are they? <laughs> Turn the trash. Turn the trash. <laughs> trash. Code. All right, Meredith, take off your dress. Okie dokie. No, dear God, no, it's in the trash can in the kitchen. Coming off either way. Man, so it's code, Meredith, take off your dress. You gotta like that. Now, okay, Andy Bernard sent to 10 Weeks Anger Management for punching a wall. <laughs> Dwight literally chokes another employee. <laughs> and it is just a matter of course. Sabre's new sales are king policy. <laughs> well, you know, Matt, I have always been a fan of these very ridiculous scenes. The stress relief, the fire, and everything else is prime example. I gotta say that I just I love this scene. The way he just went crazy. He finally, you know, we we had the build up with Preed. He gets the the leads. We see. Uh, Angela giving Phyllis something back with the paperwork. We think, okay, now here's Kevin's chance to shine, and Dwight immediately goes to the <laughs> chokehold, literally. Oh, it's just, I love that. Perfect. And then the, the, even the finish up where, where Dwight. enjoying it. <laughs> we got the quick little fun joke there at Meredith's expense, and then he just rushes in there and even licks the yeah, garbage can liner to tell back. whether it's fresh. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. That's uh, a little a little too broad, perhaps, for my taste. Uh, we also see, speaking of that other stuff, we also see Stanley manipulating Kelly and Ryan uh, over their TV preferences to get yep. his card. So he was working them. Everybody was working them. Now, originally, I uh, I thought that Michael had lost like a majority of the leads or all the leads, but really, he only lost Dwight's leads, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Dwight's the only one that really got screwed on this. So I'm not sure why. Um, that would have been interesting for them to mention it because I didn't really know that. I didn't really pay attention to that until like my second or third viewing of this. So you'd think that maybe the other salesman would just be like, yeah, whatever. I got my lead. Well, that's that's why they didn't want to go to the dump. 
So, yeah, but they didn't say that, though. They just didn't want to go because they, you know, it's your fault, Michael. I think it'd be interest, more interesting to point out the fact. It could maybe show them be a little more heartless, um, that they turn on their own kind mm-hmm. there. Um, maybe right. add a little bit more to that scene. But regardless, there you go. Dwight's leads have been thrown away, and in classic sitcom tradition, whenever anyone puts anything in the garbage can, of course... It's garbage day, and of course, it's on its way to the dump. And the dump is, again, another sitcom tradition. I think that every sitcom, especially classic shows, you can think of, there's always a scene where some characters have to go to the dump to try to find something. So Michael realizes that he's got to do this, asks for volunteers, hey, let's just make it a big party. Unfortunately, only gets one taker. Okay, you know what? Let's just go to the dump, start looking. Ryan, come on, shotgun in my car. Michael, why would we all go to the dump? Why? Because I am not going to call Saber and say, Hi, you know those very valuable, expensive leads that you gave us earlier today? Well, because of a screw-up by a staff member, they're now in the city dump. Not just staff, Michael. You. Well, that's not the way it's going to sound. Here's what we'll do. We'll go to the dump, we'll look around, then we'll all go out and get pizza, maybe catch a movie, late-night drink... Some more pizza, call it a night. What do you Does it have to be pizza? Can I go for a falafel? Really? I'm not going. <laughs> you did this, not us. Okay, no. You encouraged it. You were complicit. You were all accessories. That sounds fun, mucking around in the dump. I wish I could go. You can. I can't. You know that. Okay, fine. I get it. I'll just go by myself. I'll go, Michael. You'll just screw it up. <laughs> so there you go. Of course, Michael gets a word right, and then immediately... Says the wrong word another one. again. Like, so classic. I like the little nod to Jim. There, like Jim had been coaching him on his uh, words or something. Like, yeah, I got one right. <laughs> yeah, he points at him. Yeah, complicit. <laughs> All right, nice one. Uh, so Michael, I, I like that there. How Toby is all down with it. <laughs> you know, he's like down <laughs> with the plan. Uh, and we get that thing in there about falafel. Of course, it's a running gag because earlier. They talked about the reason why Aaron threw this stuff out is because Toby's baba ganoush was right. thrown in the garbage, and, and Toby had to, you know, his one talking head in the last, like, eight episodes where he says that he has to support that local, you know, Middle Eastern place in Scranton. <laughs> Otherwise, it's all pizza and sweet tomatoes or whatever the hell he is. So uh, right. got to support the little local babu restaurant. Uh, for Toby, now, I guess Michael, not that desperate so toby sorry out the door dwight goes along and here we have their antagonism in full effect you're just gonna screw it up and uh well things only get worse at the dump before we get to the dump though of course we have back in the office jim maybe feeling a little uncomfortable here finally maybe he's trying to do the right thing i don't know uh really awkward scene here between him and Kelly and Oscar in the break room, which leads to him proposing something of a reconciliation. Oof, can't wait for this day to be over. Why? Just all the drama. What drama? Between the us and you guys. It's unnecessary, right? It's unnecessary. Oh, good. Thank God you said that. You know, maybe if the salesmen weren't acting like such a bunch of stuck-up losers, then this day wouldn't be so bad. Do you ever think of that? I have new baby pictures. Shit. Don't use your cute baby to make us like you. She's wearing a onesie. 
uh, not a super funny line there, but I think pretty true. You know, Kelly calls him out on it, uh, and even still, uh, they they can't almost turn away, Kevin. The, the power of the onesie compels them. It, she is a very cute baby. What can you say, right? Yeah, I suppose. Be the little baby blog? I mean, come on. <laughs> well, I haven't been keeping up on that, unfortunately. I've, I've bookmarked and I'm visiting it every day. <laughs> All right, good old Cecilia Marie. Gotta love that Halpert, that Halpert brood there. I guess that then, scene really wasn't that useful, except to maybe illustrate that Jim decides that he needs to take some action with the other sales staff. So I think that that's really the primary purpose there. Yeah, and like I said, it was a good line a little bit. They kind of called him out on it, and still, it's his only weapon, his only, his only means of defense. We get a little bit of chat there between Oscar and Kelly. Uh, is this again going back to our old friend Game Matt? She seems to be saying, "Oh, you got to take the chance," and uh, mm-hmm. he says, "I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't want to risk it and this and that." So uh, we saw him out together, as you pointed out during St. Patrick's Day. So maybe, Kevin, some fruit for another episode. No pun intended. Uh, that leaves us with then, as I said, back at the dump, Michael and Dwight very upset at each other. Um, as they, you know, as, as they're getting into it, going back and forth, you know, Michael reaches his boiling point. You've changed, man. Oh, why? Because I have a shot at a hundred k commission. When do you care about money? When I first met you, you were wide-eyed innocent. Hey, there was nothing I can do about my wide-set eyes. No, no, no. I'm talking about your personality, Dwight. Okay. When I first met you, I had a lot of job offers, and I had an offer from Ivan Shotsky. The Ivan Shotsky. And if I had assistant managed him. Assistant to the managed him. Oh, that's low. I would be number two right now at a Home Depot. Yeah. Okay? Because they promote from within. Said I had to follow you. You're going nowhere. You think you would have done better without me? Really? I hitched my wagon to a horse with no legs. Wow! Okay! When I think about all the time that I wasted being your friend... I shouldn't have been hanging out watching karate movies with you. Kung fu movies. You know what I should have been doing? I should have been out of bars, finding my soulmate, finding my wife, making babies. Nice babies you're making with the floozies at the bars. That's my wife you're talking about, man. (laughs) Kevin, has Brett Forrester been tapping our Skype calls? Yeah. You know, I thought that by listening to that scene rather than watching it, that the dump setting would be less distracting. But <laughs> you just can listening still see to the green screen. <laughs> no, all the noise and all the you know the, the machinery in the background actually was. Into, I can't even believe I'm saying this. More distracting than the visuals. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well, to me, I, I gotta admit that it didn't bother me in the audio version. It toned things down a little bit. You know, and I think it's okay. That's interesting. There, maybe that is an explanation for a lot of the schizophrenic behavior, uh, with Dwight being so disrespectful back to Michael. And it sort of does make a little bit of sense of that. Uh, so fine enough to me. I think it's kind of funny though that Michael said that how they're supposedly so close, because if you remember, um, really up until Michael leaves Jan. And uh, and moves in with Dwight for those six weeks or whatever. He he would never want to do anything with Dwight. He kind of hated Dwight. He always you know just yuck or whatever. Dwight would always want to do something with him, and he'd always kind of call him a nerd and you know this mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So eh, you know a little callback, I guess maybe after 
season three, they got a little, little closer together there. Um, unfortunately, the relationship's still a bit rocky, and uh, we'll get to that uh, repairing the relationship in a second. But back to the office. We have, as you said, Jim and the sales team. They got to do something. They got to figure out what to do. They come up with their big plan here. They're going to share the commissions, give everybody in the office one or two percent of their commissions earned during the quarter, and hopefully that will bring peace back to the office. Lucky for them, everyone else is such a very cheap date. Hey, everybody. Nice spread. We get it. You eat like royalty. No, no. This is a representation of how we feel, and how we feel is really sorry. Yeah, we wanted to bring you in and make a peace offering. Yeah, we wanted to do the right thing, so... Way to go, guys. This 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 was an integrity move. Yeah. When we walked in here, we were all prepared to tell you to go to hell. Do you have any pastries without fruit? Yes, we do. Beclairs. Well, you better be happy taking 2% of that. 2% milk. What yeah. I forgot for the coffee. Yeah, <laughs> treats, Stanley. They've accepted our simple offer of treats only. Nothing more. Oh. Uh, so nice. And like you said, it ends off on a big scene of Stanley there with the big shit-eating grin on his face. You know, I think this, I, maybe maybe that was the joke that Oscar speaks up and he's, you know, like, oh, okay, guys. And you think that he's going to call him out. I mean, I, I think that's where I wanted him to go. I wanted Oscar to say, oh, you think you can buy us off with some cheap cupcakes and, you know, and danishes and stuff? Well, we're not that cheap. Uh, but they fake us out there, and, uh, well, what an integrity move this is. And uh, good old Oscar screws them out of uh, the commission. You know, it would it actually would have been kind of funny, and I'm just thinking of this right now. It would have been really clever if a little bit later maybe you saw um, Stanley slip Oscar an envelope or something to... Uh, Oh yeah, to, to play it off funny. or to be the inside man or something. I think that would have been a little cleverer uh, rather yeah. than have them just be kind of stupid. I agree. That you know what? <laughs> they need to hire you, buddy. <laughs> All right, sign me up, guys. I am ready to quit this day job. That's for sure. All right. <laughs> All that really leaves then is one more scene uh, at the dump with Dwight and Michael. Uh, you know, coming to terms with everything that's happened, as we said, we just spent like two minutes of them flipping and flopping and throwing paper wads at each other, um, whipping sticks and boxes and rummaging around and getting run over by big cable spools and, uh, and everything else. And these guys are out of shape, out of breath. Uh, you know, Michael, as you said, he pulls up uh, an old kitchen sink and a bunch of brackish water spills out all over him. And, uh, you know, he has just had enough, and all that's left is for two old buddies to make peace. We're never going to find those leads, are we? Amazing, isn't it? No other animal on Earth could do this. Maybe beavers. But not like this. Hey, you know who'd like this? Phyllis. Uh, purple much? Yeah, she <laughs> does. She loves purple. Does it stink? Yeah. You know what would be a great picture here? 
is this whole dump, and in the middle, one flower. Mm -hmm. That's it. And a caption would read, Hope grows in a dump. The good news that you found our leads? No, better. We have an awesome beanbag chair that's perfect for the break room. Ugh, we're going to sit on that disgusting chair. Yeah, damn right you're not, because it's for me and Michael only. Yeah! Woo! <laughs> And yet, Kevin and I, we have our own beanbag chair that we share uh, on occasion. <laughs> Only the two of us, that is definitely for sure. So, I don't know, there we have uh, a happy ending for the two amigos. Uh, you know, did that arc work for you, Kevin, there with them kind of being apart and then growing back together? Eh, meh, you know. I think that it's funny, though, that just listening to that comment from Stanley, you know, did you get our leads? Well, like you were saying, they're really just Dwight's leads, and that part maybe didn't strike a great, accurate chord for me, but uh, we can overlook all the little details there. The point is, Michael and Dwight are back together. They've learned a lesson, and uh, no hard feelings, I guess. Yeah, so I guess we'll see now next week. Will we just be back to the same old usual office, or will the salespeople still be running the show? I have a feeling that it'll just be the, the former, but... Uh, I guess we'll see. We don't have very many episodes left in season six. What is going to be the huge, big crisis that will end us off? I am breathless with anticipation. Mm-hmm. Well, well only I'm sure one... we're going to get. I'm sure we're going to get some more of Dwight and Angela's uh, contract coming up here. Yeah, that's true. And of course, like we said back during the delivery, we had Dwight regretting his signing of the contract with his hookup again with. Pam's sister, so who knows, but that's, I mean, that's not a major A-plot, though, that's not going to be a cliffhanger, that might be part of the cliffhanger, but there's got to be something with Michael involved here, and Saber, I mean, don't you think? Well, you'd think, but I don't know what sort of plots they could come up with that we haven't kind of seen before, so... Yeah, I suppose, I mean, but we've, you know, we we really haven't had a season in quite a while without some kind of a little cliffhanger ending. I mean, especially if you remember from last season, we had the big pregnancy reveal. Uh, I don't know if there's any <laughs> any way to top that. Um, maybe somebody announcing that they're dying or something. I don't know what else they could possibly do. But I guess we'll see. Hey, maybe they'll announce the death of Joe Bennett. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Mm, interesting. Uh, all right, well... Last thing, I mean, I'm not going to play this really because there's not much to it there. Nice little scene at the end bumper where Andy and Aaron are back rooting through the garbage dump. Um, That actually looked a lot better. I don't know what it was, maybe because it was at night or something, or the lighting was a little lower. Uh, The Mm -hmm. green screen didn't look quite as obnoxious to me. And uh, they shared a nice little moment, although, of course, this is extremely awkward, (laughs) uh, that she gives her coat to Andy. And um, you know, you are the nicest. You are the nicest person I've ever met. And so they share finally a full-on lip lock kiss, and Kevin cries tears of manly joy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the acid in my eyes from the dump. Well, let's go ahead and get into the deleted scenes. Um, Three deleted scenes. A lot of material here. A lot of it. Deserve to be cut. Some of it's interwoven into some of the other scenes that we already got. So let's just go ahead and let that run. And all those in favor of apologizing. Okay. 
guys, just hear me out on this. I think we're being a little insensitive to the rest of the people in the office. If we act nice to them now that we're rewarding them for treating us poorly. But didn't we kind of start it? I mean, I think we should hold our ground. The company's changed, and if they don't like it, they can leave. I mean, a lot of their work can be done from India. Is that really what you want? Jim, why do you always have to be that person, the one who sees things from everybody else's perspective, walking into other people's shoes? Yeah, Tuna, wear your own shoes. Okay. Okay, well, my massive personality flaws aside, can we at least all agree that this is uncomfortable and maybe heading for something bad? All those who agree, say aye. 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 All those opposed? I don't think we need opposed. Well, the ayes have it. Okay, well, by that rationale, I think we need to do something, and that's all I'm saying. He has a point. I always fought with my wife for years. Never been, never been, I'd say. And then one day I started tasting something coppery in my dinner. Wait, are you saying that your wife poisoned you? I won't say all that, but I will say that once I started being sweet, that coppery taste went away. I can't prove it, but I think someone's taking some rose out of my knitting. I should have been done with that scarf by now. Whoa. Yeah. We got to do something. We got to calm these rough seas. Yeah. Right? I mean, this just got real. It is. We should be done with that scarf. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Progress. Hi, Creed. Come in. I'm... <laughs> Welcome. Uh, all this lead business sure is nuts, right? People are getting so desperate. It's weird. I want $10,000 in unmarked bills. If you tell anyone I kill everyone. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, listen, I'll give you something worth ten times that. Thirty-one hour voice or tap lessons, plus a two-day intensive in stage combat. Five hundred dollars. Nope. No way. Give me your hair piece, then. I have real hair. But you got to give me something, then. Okay. Thank you very much. You can see yourself out. Hola. What? Hi. Hi. Oh, man. You have any more of those awesome leads? Did somebody close all their deals? Yeah, actually, a lot of those guys did. Um, Mm. My leads are still thinking about it. I wish I had more leads to give you. I know. Great. I'll write it up and shoot you an email. Thanks, Bill. Please, no phone calls during my meeting. Yeah. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Okay. Item two. Congratulations, Phyllis. Way to go. Item three. The good ladies at BikiniWeatherGirls.com are predicting freezing rain next week, so please tell your clients that deliveries may be delayed. Mr. Darrell, all over that. What you want me to do about it? Um... Call the clients and let them know that deliveries will be delayed? Mike said let your right? clients know. They're your clients. Let them know. You're in charge of shipping, right? They're your I clients, think, right? I don't think salesmen are supposed to be doing stuff like that anymore. A saver wants us just to be selling all the time. I've been here a long time. 31 years. And for the first time, things are being done right. In <laughs> all that time. I just think our new bosses realize what I've been thinking all along. The sales business is the whole business. It's the whole thing. (laughs) 
I don't get that scene. What is that point of that scene with Phyllis and Stanley? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> Not funny. I mean, unless she's just to show that she was just stupid and couldn't think of anything to say, or that she was given the amen to Stanley's comments. I I don't know. Um, yeah. I will say that uh, Creed did not learn his lesson on negotiation from that whole blackmail right. fiasco. You'd yes. think he'd be a little better at that. You'd think that Andy would go for 500 bucks for a, a bunch of leads. You'd think that wouldn't be such a bad trade-off, actually. Well, all he gave him was what? The, the a handkerchief. handkerchief? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess he played it. He played it right. He called Creed's bluff. <laughs> But I, but I think you're right about that scene with Daryl, listening to that again. That would have set a lot more context, and you could probably put that in there and left out the scene with Andy uh, and the sales leads with Daryl in his office, and it probably would have been about the same amount of time. Yeah, maybe uh, that's so. the point. Maybe they felt like they had to go for that cheap laugh over the um, the other stuff. Although, like you said, you know, without that scene in there, I don't think – it makes sense for why Daryl is that upset. I mean, okay, Andy's crawling over him, yeah, I guess, but added a lot more to that whole thing. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just a fact. Oh, and this is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? Yeah. Oh, the waste paper basket. Why didn't uh want to get it? You put it in the garbage can that was a special filing cabinet. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. All right, Kim. Well, we don't have a whole lot of news this week, but uh, I guess we got to take care of something rather important. Uh, three weeks ago or so, we announced a baby naming contest for Jim and Pam's offspring. Of course, no one guessed the correct name, but that's not going to stop us from giving away three prizes to the people that came up with what Kevin thought. All blame goes to Kevin Crossman, folks. Uh, we're the best three names. First prize, going to win themselves a $50 gift card to Amazon or iTunes. Uh, if you're out of the country, I don't know what I'm going to do for you, but I guess we'll try to figure it out. Uh, second place, a set of steak knives. You know, what, what did you say it was going to be? The Office and Philosophy. Yep, a really high-quality, high scholarly book looking at The Office. Yeah, and you can go back and listen to our interview with the author. I don't have the number yep. of the episode here, but it's uh, definitely worth listening to if you're interested in that. And also then third place, a very pri- – I can't believe this is third place. Kevin, are you sure this is third place? A copy of the movie You, starring Melora Harden as yep, a ghost. Can- <laughs> yeah. And you can go back and listen to our audio review of that in the past episode. <laughs> Glowing, so, yeah, it's hard, if I recall, Kevin. Hard to say, you know, second and third place. But in uh, any case, uh, that is the thing. Uh, you know, the delivery, our you know, lost episode, episode 88. We'll talk more about that later. But here are the winners. And again, Matt, thank you for putting all this on me. Okay, third place winner, uh, Jamie Kushner. She was the first person to come in with this one. I think Jim and Pam should name their baby Travis because that is the artist of the song that they listened to in season two when they swayed. Aww. I know there were several Travis submissions, but Jamie was first, so we could credit where it's due. <laughs> so congratulations. That's very romantic. Yeah, enjoy that copy the next, of you. The, the next two entries, maybe not quite so romantic. All right. <laughs> Brandon Peterson came in with a second-place entry that the baby should be named Herbert Halpert. <laughs> Book it. 
Herbert. Herbert. I love that. Oh, and, man. And the last first place winner from Shelley. My idea for the name for Baby Halpert, mistake. The reasons are fairly <laughs> obvious, don't you think? And, uh, you know, this uh, maybe uh, hit the judges right where uh, we love it because uh, we've <laughs> been talking ad nauseum about how much we think this is a bad plot line. But congratulations <laughs> to Shelley for uh, thinking about who would be judging the contest and submitting appropriately. Well, so, apparently she uh, knew how we, to work it, Kevin. Yeah, we had a whole bunch of really cool names, a bunch on the blog page, and uh, we'll post something on the blog with the winners and, and some of the other really good entries that we got via email yeah. and whatnot. So thanks to everyone who uh, submitted their entries. Uh, we did enjoy reading those. Congratulations to everyone that entered and to our winners. Kevin will be contacting you shortly to uh, alert you of your winning status so we can get that contact information, that uh, address, and send out those fabulous prizes and, uh, and let us know what gift certificate you want there, and we will hook you up. All right, guys, thank you for participating in our big contest. All right, Kevin, next new episode, March 25th, 2010. Happy hour. Description reads, Michael gets kicked out of the bar when he pulls out all the stops to impress a friend of Jim and Pam's. Meanwhile, Andy and Aaron do their best to keep their relationship under wraps and, mm. as we mentioned earlier, Dwight rethinks his prenatal contract with Angela. So, lots of stuff brewing here towards the end of the season. Not sure what the big cliffhanger will be, but very soon, not many left. There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I gotta erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot of stuff. All right, uh, let's get into some feedback on that. So she said number 90 for St. Patrick's Day. Our friend Kaiser Sojay said... St. Patrick's Day was really an excellent episode. It brought Pac-Man back. It brought Gay Matt back. And now even Chubby Matt is back. Sometimes life is good. Hey, who told you I was chubby? That's all I got to know. <laughs> Your picture's on the blog, man. Uh, all right, fine. <laughs> all right, uh, our friend Gazoo wrote, Surprised you didn't mention my biggest nitpick here. When Dwight and Jim were doing the whole late meeting thing, why were they going to Joe? Wouldn't that be Michael's territory? And shouldn't she have just directed them to tell Michael instead of her? Well, that hmm. is true. I think that might be one of those Zen moment deals. Exactly, but, and then we wouldn't have had a wacky plot prank there for Jim to get over on Dwight. Uh -huh. So, alas, let's, just like you said, let's Zen it out and sweep it under the rug. All right, um... Feedback on new leads, Starry Dreamer 01 twitted to us. Office rivalry was great to see, channeling season two shenanigans, especially with their cookie offering. Andy plus Aaron equals sweetly innocent jam version 2.0. Hmm, I don't know if I'd say that. I think it's nice that there's a romance, but I think that 
it, well, of course, Matt, just like you were saying, we are basically following the same formula here, isn't it? So yeah. I guess maybe that's, maybe that's correct. <laughs> I mean, it's following it. It's sort of parodying it. On the other hand, I mean, there's there's no none of the gravitas is none of that whole weight that we had for Jim and Pam for season one and two. I mean, if Andy and Aaron hook up, really, who cares? I mean, it's, it, it's it has nice, to get, but you'd have to get real dark with her stepbrother <laughs> for that to have there. that gravitas. Let's not go <laughs> All there. right. Cannibal Kid wrote, the scene of the dump is one of the greatest scenes in the history of the office. Two comedy greats demonstrating perfect comedy timing. Great editing work as well. And the final scene had me happy. Surprisingly great episode of The Office, which I think has been on the weaker side of good since season three. Well, there you well, go, I Kevin. I guess Cannibal Kid must be on one of those standard deaf TVs. <laughs> or he comes to The Office for the jokes, not the scenery, as I was told. Yes. All right. Well, good thing that you enjoyed that so much. Brandon, on the other hand, said, Green screen works for car trips on Seinfeld or the face of Mount Rushmore in a Hitchcock classic, but it doesn't really work for a city dump that appears to span the entirety of California's <laughs> Central Valley. W-T-F. When Michael and Dwight started throwing cardboard, the fourth wall came crumbling down, and I just hate that for a show that started out as a documentary. Is it really that difficult for NBC to shell out a few bucks for a location shoot at a real city dump? Other than that, the plot was far more complex than St. Patty's Day. Thank God. Overall, pretty good episode marred by shoddy production value. That sounds very familiar, Kevin. Absolutely. Well, Rich Ward Jr. tweeted to us, I've been a big fan of this season up to this point. Sure, I laughed a few times, and love being born in the dump was fun, but I kept waiting for some sort of payoff, and there wasn't any. Sorry, but a beanbag chair just didn't do it tonight. Subpar episode. Yeah. And I think that was kind of my take on the ending there, too. Yeah, and Rich uh, seems to sum up some of my feelings as well. All right, Mary Louise said, I really enjoyed this episode. It was my favorite episode of season six, which happens to be my least favorite season so far. It was nice to have the whole office involved in the A plot. Jim came back into my heart as the voice of reason in this episode, even though he let the salesman stuff get to him, too. I liked his banter with Michael, though. The scene in the dump was good. It was nice to have Michael and the writers acknowledge Dwight's bipolar character traits throughout the seasons. So, there you go. All right, and then we have our listener comment of the week. This came to us via email from Susan Rawlish. Now, Matt, uh, if anyone had missed our last podcast episode, we explained why we have left the delivery on the cutting room floor, so to speak. There do a variety of circumstances, and of course we want to get the St. Patrick's Day episode out in timely manner. So uh, Susan had emailed, do you guys do a podcast episode for delivery and an interview with Jenna Fisher, as we had joked about? Uh, and then she said, I've heard references and saw some tweets to it being recorded, but it isn't available on iTunes or from the website. Just wondered if I was missing something. And, and very quickly soon after, Kevin, the second email <laughs> yeah. arrived. Never mind, you answered the question in the St. Patrick's Day podcast. It doesn't really surprise me that you would not do a podcast for one of the most important episodes of The Office, but would keep your schedule intact and do one for the banker, but whatever. We don't really agree on much when it comes to The Office. The only characters I actually care about are Jim and Pam, and you pretty much hate them 90% of the time. Time for me to move on. Bye, guys. Oh, now, ouch. I think that uh, I'll save my piece on this. You know, 
you don't want to listen, that's totally cool. Uh, there's no gun to your head. And I, But at the same point, I think the criticism is a little unfair. We explained why we were dropping the episode there and the reference to the banker, which came after a long delay in fresh episodes. You know, that's not exactly like we you wanted to do the banker because and we just hated the uh, you know the delivery for some reason. It was we explained why. Yeah, so, and we both actually liked the delivery, so uh, we will be going back to that at some point when we have a hiatus. Uh, do not worry, alas, I guess Susan will will never know. So her yeah, well, loss. Well, that's about going to do it for us for this week, Kevin. Join us in about a week or so for episode ninety-two. Happy hour. Please send any comments or constructive compliments to TWSSpodcast at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at TWSSpodcast.com. If you have a chance, please leave positive feedback on iTunes and spread the word in the various The Office-related forums. Every little bit helps. Also, remember, during and after the showing of the new episodes on Thursdays, you can join myself and Kevin in the That's What She Said chat room. How to get there? Well, go to TWSSpodcast.com. Scroll down. Look for that green chat box in the right-hand sidebar. Click, and you will be whisked away to join your fellow office enthusiasts for a Thursday night chat. Hear what Thursday Matt has to say as it happens. Hear what Kevin has to say three hours later. It's all a wonder of technological science. Join us, won't you? Uh, music for the episode provided by the Music Alley from Mevio. Check it out at musicalley.com. And remember, head on over to nbc.com slash the office during the week for additional deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, cast blogs, uh, all kinds of other stuff, baby blogs, who knows, Dwight blogs, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, that's going to do it, like I said, for Kevin Crossman. I'm Matt Summer, and we are out of here. Right, out. I'm so happy you didn't play the ABC song. I really <laughs> thought you were going to try to book in that. Oh, man. Now that, that you mentioned it, maybe I could start singing it. I don't know. <laughs> oh, 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 please stop. That's <laughs> all right. In any case, all right. Later.